Wow. 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 Such a significant, voluminous gift. Uh, just absolutely amazing. Now, right before we get into our presentation, I want you to see how significant the spectrum of gifting is. Um, you know, the scripture talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that there are different gifts, but the same spirit. And what you'll notice is that uh, there was a young girl that was leading praise and worship uh, during giving. Now, her competency and her skill was on one side of the spectrum. Uh, while Tiffany, I think her name is Tiffany, right? Tiffany? Kimberly, 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 Kimberly. Kimberly's gift, she's been doing it a lot longer. So her gift is down here on the spectrum, right? Same spectrum, different competencies, but the same spirit. You can sense the same grace. What was the other girl's name? What was the younger? T I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. T. Tamaja. How you say it? Tam Thomas. Okay. Okay. Thomas with an A. But we saw Miss T. We saw her over here on this side of the spectrum, ministering under the same grace, under the same anointing, different level of competence, but same spirit. And now we got Kimberly, right? Kimberly on this side of the spectrum see regardless of where you are in your gifting if it is submitted to God God can breathe on that gift and he can still get the glory out of it so from the beginning of the spectrum to the end come on let's bless God for every minister come on for every gift for every grace for everyone that has graced the stage and created an atmosphere for us to minister can we thank God for these crazy musicians come on y'all Y'all crazy. Phenomenal. 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 And so it's so good to see you. I want to make sure before you take your seat, I want to give salutations where they need to be placed. And then we'll do a, 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 a bit of an impartational exercise and then we'll get into our presentation. But it is so wonderful to be here in the company of so many gifted, anointed individuals, so many leaders in the body of Christ, family and friends. It feels like a family reunion as many people that I know and as many uh, faces that are familiar but can we thank God for this man and this woman of God who have been building and plowing for years and years and years for years and years and years amen um finding quality uh, apostles is not easy uh, in an age where everybody's snatching the title to find somebody with a grace to endure is very significant. Uh, and so uh, for the years that you've been plowing and shoveling, for the years that you've been serving, man of God, we are so proud of you. I love you. You're my brother. You're my friend. I appreciate your authenticity. I appreciate your confidence. And I'm going to let you know, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if anybody else will be honest with you. Um, you are all right, but your wife is bad. Amen. Your wife is bad. You are all right. But the great, I know where the grace comes from. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for First Lady? Wow. Uh, you exude excellence, prestige, and grace. 
and it's good to be in your presence. Thank you so much for welcoming me with open arms and treating me like family. Um, and to all of their kids, I know you got like eight kids. Um, I know you got about 10 kids. <laughs> all right, but for real, it does take a family, amen. When God called Noah, he didn't just call Noah, he called his family. And so it takes a family to undergird this type of ministry. So can we just thank God for his family, amen. Both spiritual daughters and sons and natural sons and daughters, amen. Um, I'm nervous because um, we have a plethora of apostles in the house. Apostle Sherman Dumas is in the house with his powerful wife. I go, I'm just going to call you Apostle Jay for tonight, all right? I'd be getting missed out, you know. But it's so good to see y'all. Thank y'all for being here. I promise you I won't keep you too long, all right? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I promise you I won't keep you too long. But I'm, I'm grateful for them being here. They are statesmen in the kingdom of God. They've been doing it for a long time. They have a career in the kingdom of God. And for them to be here, it adds validity and value and weight to our meeting. And so thank you so much for being here. Phenomenal. 100%. 100%. Can y'all bless God for Pastor Jermaine Jackson that's in the building. My brother, my friend, I love you. You're still in Atlanta, right? Okay, I don't hear from you. But you're still in Atlanta though. That's shade to you and me. That's shade to you and me. We in the same city, just a couple, couple miles away, hardly see each other. But um, um, I still feel like, you know, I'm probably like nobody plus. But when I was a nobody, you treated me like somebody. All right. And this man opened up his, his doors, his church for us to train our first generation of pastors and leaders and elders. When our church first started, this man gave us space. And so thank you so much, man of God. I really, I really love you, love your wife, and I appreciate all that you guys stand for. All right, uh, Edward Long was in the building. I thought he was here. Right, Ed, are you here? He, he, he went, oh, there you go. Uh, Bishop Eddie L. Long Jr. is in the building. <laughs> This is my brother, my friend, Edward Long Jr. Uh, of course, you guys know his pop, and he's going to be teaching tomorrow um, on mantles, and it's going to be really, really good. But thank you so much for being in the house, man. I really appreciate you. I love you. I saw him on the plane, and uh, he's in my city as well. That's one of my best friends in the entire world, all right? He knows everything about me. So if y'all are shouting and he's not, it's okay. He knows stuff y'all don't know. Amen. <laughs> but if he shout, that means it's real. All right? That means it's real. Um, and so it's so good to see everybody. I'm just trying to make sure that I don't forget anybody for every other apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, deacon, janitor. It don't matter what you do. Amen. I'm, I'm grateful that you're here. Can you just look at somebody with their anointed self? Say, I'm happy that you're here. Come on, just honor somebody. I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. You with that Sony camera, I'm happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. You change your lens, but I'm happy that you're here. Amen. But it's good to see you. My executive pastor is here, the pastor of Embassy City. Can y'all put your hands together for Pastor Christopher Williams? Amen. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. I cannot forget. I cannot forget him. I'm like, I know. I'm like, I, 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 there's somebody else. I don't even know why he's here. But uh, very, very dear friend of my ministry somebody that i love with all of my heart i don't even know why he's here he lives in atlanta but he's here tonight but pastor quintarius and his wife are here come on come on wave at the people wave at the people 
Amen. They just planted a brand new church in Atlanta. And I mean, just to see them, it's amazing to see y'all. All right. Hopefully I do y'all proud. All right. Can we get our Bible? All right. I don't talk to enough. All right. Thomas, Thomas, Summer, Thomas, Summer, Thomas, Summer. I was, I was talking you up. I was talking you up. When you weren't in here, I was giving you honor. All right. Don't worry about your name. It's, it's, about, the, it's about the honor. All right. I was giving you honor. All right. I was giving you honor. <laughs> that ain't my name. It's your name tonight. All right. It's the honor that's important. But you did a phenomenal job. All right. A phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. What, what, we, what we sensed was the purity of your gift. That's what we sensed. And so it's up to you not to let church people toxify it. All right. That's your job. All right. If you turn it into, if you, if, the, if you let them turn you into a shouting machine, God going to take that oil off of you. And you're just going to be sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. So it's about you posturing your heart and remaining sincere in what you do. All right. There is going to be in, in every gift. There's going to be a plane of performance and a plane of service. They don't compete. You ain't got to not perform. You just have to remain sincere while you perform. And God will make sure that he breathes on it. All right. But don't, 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 don't become churchy. All right. Don't become churchy. All right. Let's go to, I got two scriptures for you. Uh, let's go to John chapter nine. Come on. Y'all sit down. We're about to read the word of God. Come on, stand up so we can read the word. Come on, stand up. Just give me a second. I promise you, as soon as we read this, you can sit down and you can stand up whenever you want to after that. But let's go to John chapter nine. John chapter 9, there's been this world that I've been living in probably for the past year or so. Um, it started to get even denser as uh, this year started. Um, but what we sense is that God is on a mission to find the next generation of leaders. And when we say next generation of leaders, please don't think that that is uh, bound or confined to an age. Because there are many people that may be in their 50s and 60s, but their ministry is just starting. So please don't think that this message is confined to an age. I'm not speaking just to young people. I'm not preaching just to the immature or, or, or the infantile. But uh, wherever your gift is, on that spectrum of competence, I want you to hear me. I'm going to work for you tonight, all right? I'm going to work for you tonight. My job is to pull your gift while we're preaching. My job is to pull your gift from the infancy of its development into the maturity of its authority, all right? That's my job. So you literally going to feel confidence while I'm preaching. Do you hear what I said? Now, I, I wish, apostle, apostle, when you came up here with your prophetic army, I said, man... I didn't want you to do that. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Because, you know, as apostles, we plow. I need y'all to understand. I don't need you to say amen at all. Do you hear me? I don't need you to say amen at all. You will stand there paralyzed in your purpose, and I'm still going to preach. Amen. Because my, 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 my preaching is not contingent on your response. I came with my own energy. Amen. I came with my own anointing. So my job and my assignment is to work for you and to work for what you are building. So I don't necessarily need their, I don't need their response or anything like that. If they sleep, I'm going to still preach. Amen. All right? So let's go to John chapter 9. We're going to read one verse of scripture, and then we're going to head over to Luke chapter 4 and read a, a couple of scriptures there and we pray that the Lord gives us something significant let's go to John chapter 9 John chapter 9 I love this environment because I get a chance to be my full apostolic self alright so just allow me a moment and just keep me on time and uh, I'll try to make sure that we um, get out with some type of comprehension John chapter 9 when you get it let's look at verse number 4 Verse number four. Verse number four. When you got it, let me know you got it by saying, I got it. got it. 
John 9 verse number 4 it says I must work the see work ethic is going to be real important in this season all right you can't be lazy and productive you're not going to be lazy and be a mogul you can't be lazy and get what god has for you so look at what jesus said jesus said this he said i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh when no man can work i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day so notice that there is a time for jesus to work his gift the night cometh when no man can work. So this is what we call the day of a gift. Everybody say the day of a gift. Everybody say the night of a gift. One more time. Say the day of a gift. Say the night of a gift. Now the scripture says weeping will endure for a what? For a night. So when you're in your night season, that's your time to intercede. When you're in your night season, when your demand is low, that's your time to be developed. When you're in your night season, the, the age of invisibility, when nobody's calling your name, that's your time to master your gift. Because the day is out. Oh, come on, I need you to nudge somebody and say, my day is coming, my day is coming, my day is coming, my day is coming. For every business owner, your day is coming, amen. For every creative, your day is coming. It don't matter how long your business has been hidden or concealed in darkness. Hear me, the day is a about to break come on somebody nudge somebody and say my day is on the way my day is on the way my day is on the way all right he said i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night come, hear me once that day comes i'm gonna work my gift amen hear me i'm gonna work this grace i'm gonna work this anointing i'm gonna work this intelligence the moment the day breaks hear me while it was night i kept silent but once my day comes i will not shut my mouth i've been silent too long amen but when this day comes i will speak all right he says i must work the works of him that sent me while it is day the night cometh where no man can work let's go to luke chapter four Luke chapter 4. Very familiar passage of scripture. Luke chapter 4. See, um, we must graduate from just being exegetical to being dimensional. All right? See, it was never God's intent just for us to take words off of a paper and then to give you information. It was always God's intent for us to enter the scripture and it becomes a world of revelation. So while we are preaching, people are getting impartation. Hear me? While we preach, the word becomes flesh. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. So I want y'all to not just hear me, but I want y'all to go on this journey with me. Luke chapter 4. And when you get it, let's look at verse number 18. Verse number 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are in darkness, I mean them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he, oh God, man. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day, come on somebody say this day. This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. In your ears. Alright, uh, very, very simple title. I, I, you know, I'm just going to preach for a few moments. This is, my assignment is impartation. My assignment is to give you strength, to give you confidence, to give you boldness, to flow and to function in the gift that God has given you. And we're going to preach it from the message, I'm here now. 
I'm here now. All right. You should have stopped me before I got here, but I'm here now. All right. Hear me. If I'm here, I might as well show out. Amen. If I'm here, I might as well preach. Come on. Look at somebody. Say, I'm here now. I'm here now. I'm here now. I'm here. Fought too much to get here. I'm here now. You should have gave me a flat tire, but I'm here now. Amen. I decided to wear, I decided to come without the weave. Amen. I'm here now. Even without the suit, even without a brand new pair of shoes, I'm here now. Amen. I may not have a church building, but I'm here now. And since I'm here, there is something that God has for me. Come on, nudge your neighbor one more time and tell him, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here now. Father, we thank you. We honor you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to minister your word, to push people into purpose and to drag them into destiny. Father, we thank you for the anointing that is present. Give us accuracy and give us adequacy so that we can hit the target with specificity. We love you. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all left me hanging. Y'all left me hanging. It's all right. Go, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Y'all know once the pastor start praying, that's when you get the strings, man. That was... Is it going to be that type of night or y'all going to be with, y'all going to be with me? Okay, you got me? All right, all right, cool, cool, cool. We, <clears throat> and not just the body of Christ, but the human species, we are in an age of transition. I'm talking about every industry on the planet is transitioning. Uh, it was moving slow at first, probably three to four years before COVID, but COVID accelerated it. Uh, COVID began to accelerate the mutation or the transition of most of our industries, but more specifically, the church. The church is in transition. The church that you see today, I know you love it, I know you may be in love with it, but the church that you see today will not be the church that we see tomorrow because the church is transitioning. The church is changing. And if you are going to remain relevant, you've got to learn how to change when God changes. You know, change is not necessarily um, uh, exciting for the church. As a matter of fact, religion gets its power when things stay the same. Religion, it keeps its authority when things stay the same. Have you ever, like, grew up in a church and you left that church? Maybe it was, like, down home in the country, your grandma church. And when you grew up, it was a certain way. You left. You grew up. You grew up in the admonition of the Lord, trained up a child in the way that they should go. And when they became old, when you became old and went back, I'm talking about that, 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 that do this in remembrance of me was still in the same place. I'm talking about the foyer was still dusty. The chandeliers ain't been dusted for years because everything is still in the same place. Religion gets its authority when things remain the same. That's why religious people start looking at you a little funny when you start changing. Who you think you is? You think you all that? Who you think you is? You think you anointed? You had one solo. Now you got business cards. Who do you think you is? It's not that I think I'm anything, but one thing I know is that I'm changing. If you can't stay around nobody that's anointed for too long and they don't change anything in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is an organic system, meaning that it is constantly evolving and growing. And anything in that system or in that kingdom should also be evolving and growing. But the church is in transition. The church is in transition. It is changing. It is pivoting. And because the church is in transition, we are also in an age of succession. Because every age of transition initiates a change or initiates an age of succession. 
So what we are seeing is that in many industries, uh, uh, the top of those industries, whether they be presidents, VPs, executives, fathers, however you would begin to name them, the top of industries are beginning to expire and retire. And now we have need of a new generation of gifts and leaders. And so succession becomes very important. In every industry, we are seeing succession systems initiated and put into practice in the music industry. Beyonce done already found her next. She already found her next. What's those, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the sisters, Chloe and Hay? Oh, she already found her next. While the church is still trying to hang on to the little bit of relevancy we got, and we will not move off the stage for new gifts to mount the platform, we got, we got people in the world that are already found their Timothy and already found their next. Amen. And the church is still trying to reinvent itself. But every time of transition is also a time of succession. We're looking for Timothys. We're looking for the next. We're looking for those that will lead the church into the future. But the age of succession is also the age of impartation. We're not just in transition. We're beginning to see uh, the age of succession. But not just succession. We also need impartation. Because I need you to understand something. God is not a God of waste. God don't waste time. God don't waste a moment. God don't waste an opportunity. God don't waste revelation. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, please don't cast your pearl before swine. Because God is not a God of waste. God don't waste an opportunity. God don't waste oil. God don't waste a gift. This is why God breathes or he releases a gift in the right time, in the right generation, in the right dispensation. And this is why you have to be confident that the age in which you were born in is the right time for you to be born. Because God would not waste throwing you into a generation where you could not be productive and you could not do what God called you to do. You are here on time. Come on, somebody say, I'm here on time. But one of the things that we have to deal with is the development of gifts. It don't matter how gifted you are. It don't matter how skilled you are. It don't matter if God has called you. When God calls you, there still must be growth. There still must be development. In order for any gift to be used by God, it must be developed by God, and then it must be submitted to God. Now, I need y'all to understand, you're going to hear me use the word gifts a lot. But when I say gift, I'm not talking about a talent. All right. When I say gift, I'm not talking about a talent. Now, I want you to write this down. All right. I want you to write gift, gifted, and then under that, write gifting. Gift. Everybody say gift. Under that, write gifted. And then under that, write gifting. I want you to understand when God is developing a gift, he develops the gift from the inside out. Just like when God created Adam. When God created Adam, he created the spirit of Adam first. When God is creating a gift, he creates the spirit of that gift first. He creates the swagger of that gift first. He creates the spirit of that gift first. He creates the grace of that gift first. He creates the anointing of that gift first. That's why you will always feel bigger than your gift at the beginning. Jesus help. There will be things that your spirit desires to do that your competence cannot communicate. 
Because you have not necessarily learned the skill, the nuance, how to wield your authenticity. You know you want to do it, but it's hard for you to do because your, your, your anointing gets lost in translation because you don't necessarily have the skill. But I want you to understand, you have gift, gifted, and gifting. Now, let's deal with gift. There are three types of gifts. Number one, there's what we call natural gifts. Natural gifts. Natural gifts. This, this is what we call talents. These are gifts that are transferred through the blood, through the DNA, hereditary. They pass from father and mother to child. All right. And God is so sovereign. God is so strategic in his wisdom. When he wanted to build a particular type of gift with a particular type of grace, with particular type of abilities, he chose a man on this side of the tracks and he chose a woman on this side of the tracks. And then by his sovereignty and by his serendipity, he found a way to bring the man and the woman together so that they could come together, impart those gifts, those graces. And when I say gifts, I'm talking about both tangible gifts and are y'all here? and intangible gifts because there are tangible gifts and there are intangible gifts a tangible gift is a gift that you can see it could be singing alright but while the person is singing because they've been through pain they've learned how you know you ever heard a, a, you, you ever heard a, a, a good growl a good growl a good singer has a good you think they got that in peace you think they got that in comfort you think they got that, amen, inconvenience? They found that in pain. But what they found in pain, they were able to add to their performance to give their performance a different vibration and a different tenor. Are y'all here? See, hear me. There has to be a season where nobody's watching you. So you get so desperate that you leave the mundane platform of performance and you find your... Yeah, man, God help us, man. You find your frequency. See, the only way you can find your voice, you got to preach to an empty room until you shed all the layers of the people you're trying to be and you find your real voice. So there is a season where God don't let nobody see you. Where God don't let nobody find you. Where he keeps you hidden in the dark until you find yourself. There has to be a season where nobody finds you. Where you start to find the gifts that are in. Hear me. Because the worst thing you can do is, 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 how do I say it? Father, the worst thing you can do is hand over the discovery of your gifts to another person. Because they'll only show you the gifts that don't intimidate them. But they'll never tell you the gifts that are in you that might put them out of business. I'm working too hard. So everybody say gift. So there's different types of gifts. Number one, there's natural gifts. And even within the realm of natural gifts, there's what we call tangible gifts. And there are intangible gifts. Right? Some people have a intangible gift to see drama they can see it coming the, the moment she walk in the, in, the, in the church the moment he walk in the church uh oh there they go there they go you see him you see him you see him you see him ain't number trouble ain't number trouble before they leave they trying to get five people's phone number at the door and you're like I told you I told you I told you it's real quiet I'm hitting somebody amen I told you I told you I told you some people have the ability to see trouble on the way that's an intangible gift some people have the ability to encourage they can see anxiety a mile away they can see nervousness a mile away and they'll come to you and say girl it's gonna be alright let me tell you something be comfortable oh, I like them shoes are you working that amen and they'll give you confidence that's 
an intangible gift. So please don't think that gifts are limited to abilities. There's also intangible gifts. So you have natural gifts. And a natural gift is those that flow in the blood. Those that pass down through hereditary, through uh, father and mother to child or father and mother to uh, uh, the next generation. So then after you have natural gifts, you then have spiritual gifts. Let's move through this neighborhood pretty quickly. You have spiritual gifts. Now, these are different from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, gifts of the spirit. All right, don't think gift of the spirit. We'll get there. But a spiritual gift is a gift you can't locate on your family tree. It's a gift that God gave you sovereignly. Amen. You can't find nobody in your family that does what you do. As a matter of fact, that has been a source of much contention because you've been looking for a model to, so that you can template or model yourself after. But the Lord says, I'm not trying to bring up a duplicate in this season. I'm trying to do something that I've never done before. So I've got to give you a gift. i got to step over your family tree, step over your bloodline, step over your family history, step over your mama and daddy step over your grandmama and give you something eyes have not seen ears have not heard neither has it entered into your heart what i desire to do come on somebody say i got this supernaturally now i don't know about y'all maybe you got preachers in your family i ain't got no preachers in my family there's no preachers in my family so when i started preaching there was nobody in my family that i could look to now it's not that i did not get gifts from my family there were certain gifts that passed down through the blood but there were certain gifts that god gave me sovereignly those are what we call spiritual gifts spiritual gifts but then number three you have what we call gifts of the spirit gifts of the spirit gifts of the spirit this is first corinthians chapter 12 now what we need to understand about the gifts of the spirit is that they are not our gifts all right, you got to watch me. All right, whenever a gift of the Spirit manifests, it is the excellency of God on display, not the competence of the person. Jesus. All right, come on now. It's not, see, when God manifests a word of knowledge and I'm able to tell you something about yourself that I did not have natural knowledge of, you can't then look at me as if I'm gifted. That was a manifestation of God's intelligence that I yielded to. That is not my gifting. Come on, y'all. And what we will do, we will let people have inordinate amounts of authority because they know how to yield and they know how to allow God to manifest a gift through them, but they want to take the honor of that gift and superimpose it to their personality. They want to become one with their gift when they're not one with their gift. See, this is... This is why humility is so important because it gives people freedom to treat us as people even though we're gifted. Amen. So you have gift, all right? And within gift, you have natural gifts. Everybody say natural gifts. You have spiritual gifts. Everybody say spiritual gifts. But then you also have gifts of the spirit. So that's gifts. So now we all have gifts. So let's go to the second one. Gifted. Gifted. Gift and then add the ED. The ED stands for education. Because you can't just have a gift. You have to add education to your gift. So that you don't just have a gift, you become gifted. You know what you are doing and you know why you are doing it. You are now gifted. And now you, you enter the spectrum of competence where you can begin to grow in your ability. I'm almost there. Are y'all following me? 
you have to first acknowledge the gift. Now, hear me. There are certain gifts that, that, that the, the moment they manifest, those gifts are amazing. They're supernatural. You can have a James Brown, and the gift is not an ability. It's an intangibility. He couldn't sing. He was a height. But the grace was on his ah. Come on, y'all. There was a grace on that ah, ah. There was a, there was a grace on Michael Jackson's ee. It wasn't just his singing. It was his. It was the nuance of his of his gifting or his creativity. So I want you to understand that 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 even though you have a gift, you want to move from gift to being gifted, and the only way you do that is through practice and training. Are y'all here? Give me time. Come on. You through practice and training. There is it is impossible for you to get good at anything that you don't practice. And you know, it, it's amazing to me how you know we want to be excellent, we want to be professional, but we don't practice. The only people that have rehearsal is the worship team, is the band. Why don't the intercessors practice? Come on, man, come on now. Come on. Why don't the preachers practice? Why don't the prophets practice? The only time we see you using your gift is when you're on the stage. Did you practice? Come on now. If you were to practice, you wouldn't still be mispronouncing Deuteronomy. Come on now. If you practice. now you can't be a bishop and not know how to say the Hebrew word did you practice come on y'all practice before you have a conversation you know you can practice it alright when I come in I'm going to say who you talking no, when I come in I'm going to say who you talking to like, how, how am I going to say? You can practice. See, these, there's a few words that the church is scared of. Number one is flesh. The church is afraid of that word because we don't understand the natural man. That's why most of us are sitting in here with unmet natural needs. You're horny and you're trying to act anointed. But you don't know how to manage your natural man because we don't know how to preach to the natural man. Hear me. I cannot affect your spirit until I captivate your natural man. It is the technology of excellence that grabs your attention. That's natural. And then it is the anointing that does the work in the spirit. That's spiritual. You need both. Are y'all here? Natural man. You, so, you have, you have, so that's number one, flesh. Number two is this word entertainment entertainment the church is so hypocritical we preach against entertainment all the while what do you think a screen is for you got a bible you can read your scriptures on the bible we got a screen so we can get your attention entertainment entertainment it means to be contained from the inside and entertainment is a technology of the human species. It don't belong to the arts and entertainment world. And then the third one is performance. Performance. We think, we think performance.
performance is fleshly. But the scripture literally says that God watches over his word. That means to execute your assignment with excellence and accuracy. Performance. Come on, somebody say amen. All right, so we, 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 in order for us to deal with performance, you got to be gifted. You got to be gifted. You got to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then number three, gifting. Gifting. I want you to write that down. Gifting. G-I-F-T-I-N-G. Gifting. You have gifted. You have, you have gift. You have gifted. And then you have gifting. Now, gifting is the nuance of your authenticity. It is Michael Jackson's E-He. Are you following me? When he was first a child and his parents figured out that he had the ability to dance, all right, that did not just come from him. His musical ability came from his parents. They had musical abilities. So that was passed down. That became the floor of what God wanted to do. Just the floor. That's the floor. That's not the top. That's just the floor. So he has a gift, but now all of a sudden, every gift needs a Jethro. Every gift needs a father. Every gift needs a coach. And the better the gift, the greater the coach must be. You better ask Tina Turner. The greater the gift, the better the, the, better the coach has to be. The harder the coach has to be. The rougher the coach has to be. The more consistent the coach has to be. And the problem with most of us gifted people, we don't want nobody coaching us nothing. Come on, y'all ain't got to say nothing. Because we feel like we already know how to do what we were born to do. Why should somebody else tell us how to do what we call to do? It's because you may know that you got a gift, but you're not gifted. You're not good. You're not excellent. You are not meticulous at the administration of what God has given you to do. So you still need somebody to cover you. In my, in my church... If you're going to preach somewhere, show me the flyer. Show me the flyer. Show me the flyer. Because if they're inviting you and they fly us dusty, we ain't going. You building a brand. You ain't, you ain't going to build a brand and be on somebody's bad flyer. Well, one person's head is big, the other person's head is small, and then they got five different fonts to say one thing. No, we are not. No, you are not going. But they paying me $50. I'll give you $50. But you are in the dark days of your gift. And the last thing you want is the enemy to brand you with mediocrity. So I'm going to fight that you stay hidden until you recognize your value. And you don't let them put you on no messed up flyer. But you do that because the opportunity is bigger than your gift. You do that because the opportunity is bigger than your confidence. You do that because the opportunity is bigger than your security. You are so insecure that you won't wait for a... Are y'all here? This is okay. This is okay? You are so insecure, you won't wait for the right time. So you allow little people to platform you. You know you don't get hired when little people platform you. Anyway, come on, y'all. Give me a second. Come on, what time is it? So all of a sudden, when you're all by yourself, when you watch me, because this is how you begin to discover the edges of your gifting, all right? It's, it's, see, 
one of the ways that you discover the edge of your gifting is when you try to be somebody else, but you reach the edge of your ability. All right? So, so Michael Jackson is trying to be James Brown. He's trying to mix it with a little Jackie Wilson. He's trying to add different things into his own grace and administration, but he hits, he, he, he can't growl like James Brown. He, can, he don't go down like Jackie. Jackie Wilson used to go down. Y'all don't remember no Jackie Wilson. Jackie Wilson, he didn't just stay up. He went down. He did a whole bunch of footwork, but he went down. He'll come back up smooth as, smooth as you can be. So Michael Jackson is studying all of his predecessors. He's taking the strengths and he's subtracting the weaknesses. He's adding it to his own administration. And while nobody's looking, he's trying all of the dance moves. The stuff that works, he keeps. The stuff that don't work, he discards. And all of a sudden, he's creating his own chemical compound of his presentation. It's different than anybody has ever seen before nobody's ever seen it because he's in the dark days of his gift he's in his daddy's living room and nobody sees him amen he's working out his gift he's perfecting his tone and his pitch and his octave until an opportunity comes and watch me for every opportunity there is always a gatekeeper there's always a gatekeeper there's always a gatekeeper to the next level. Their job is to vet or their job is to interview. Their job is to filter everybody that's coming through that gate. In Jesus' life, I'm almost in the book. In Jesus' life, it was John. John was the gatekeeper. Before Jesus ever came into being, before Jesus ever came into the earth, God sent John before him. And John is going to start to create a way for Jesus, all right? Now, I need y'all to understand something. Because for everybody in here, there is an opportunity for you. But while God is developing your gift, he's also sustaining the opportunity. Come on, ask David. David, David, you're supposed to be king, but you're not ready yet. There are gifts that you need in order to be king. So I'm going to suspend your promotion while I'm preparing you, but I'm going to keep your seat hot. Because I'm not going to have you walk into anything that's unprepared. Amen. While I'm preparing you, I'm also preparing the opportunity. Are you, somebody say, I understand. So it's in the dark days of a gift where God begins to develop. In Jesus' life, he has many different stages of darkness. The first one is Mary's womb. This is the immaculate conception. This is the first emergence of a gift, the first inkling of a gift. When you first find out that there's something special down there, there's something special in you, your job then, you must protect it and grow it. Mary's job, she knows that there's something gifted in her, but she must protect it and she has to grow it. So if you're going to grow your gift, the first thing that you have to do, God will begin to separate you. There's nobody that'll let Mary into the end. There's nobody that will give her space to grow give her space to develop there's nobody that will give her room to become comfortable in the word that God has given her so what does it do it causes Mary and Joseph to wonder and this is one of the first stages of a gift if you look at uh, uh, if you look at Abraham when we see Abraham first called by God what is Abraham doing he's wondering He's wondering. Now, I want you to understand that wondering eyes is the byproduct of infancy. Come on. Come on. Come 
Are y'all here? It's, it's just what you do. You want it because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what, you, what you're looking for. You don't necessarily know what you are becoming. And so there is a stage where you wonder. This is curiosity. Every child goes through a stage where they're curious and they just try stuff. And a good parent protects the child while they try stuff. And then you want to sing, go sing. You want to dance, go dance, go do it. Because I need you to discover the boundary of your own authenticity. I need you to find out what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And I'll never get you to discover what works for you trying to make you me. So what does God do? Because God already knows that Zachariah, God already knows that Elizabeth is going to put John in the same system that they've been in for years. They're going to make him a priest. So God causes John to be frustrated with the system until John has to go into the wilderness. Because hear me, church people will promote you before you're ready. Hear me. Here, if you're a pastor, if you're a preacher, if you're a planter, don't listen to their amen for affirmation. Because people will push you before you're ready. Can't sing, can't preach, hardly know what you're talking about. And you know what they'll say? Go, take your time. Go ahead, take your time. And they will give you time to be mediocre because they don't know what excellence is. So God sends John. Come on, let's, I, 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 I got to go somewhere, all right? So God, God sends John. So there's what we call the night of a gift, and then there's what we call the day of a gift. The night of a gift, the day of a gift. But there are also seasons of a gift. I want you to write this down. There are seasons of a gift. You have winter. This is when a gift is hibernating. This is when a gift is frozen in time. It would seem as if the gift is not moving. It's winter. Everything begins to die in winter. And that's what it feels like. When you are all by yourself in the infancy of your development, you feel cold. There's no support. There's no likes, no shares, no views. It's cold. And God keeps you in that stage to see if you can be consistent without encouragement. Can you stay faithful without encouragement? And this is what the, the winter does. Now, after winter, there is spring. Spring is when there's the first semblance of growth. And when God begins to grow a gift, he grows it 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. First the blade, then the ear, then the full head of corn in the ear. Meaning that you'll start to see just a little bit of gift. But then you have to continue to grow that gift and work that gift and germinate that gift so that gift continues to grow. Somebody say continues to grow. Now, now the stage of spring is also the stage where a gift begins to develop its own scent. Its own scent. Its own unique smell and anointing. Because every gift has a scent. All right. Every gift has a scent. And usually, um, if we had time, you could talk about David. Uh, most anointings are a compound of different fragrances. All right. In David's life, it was the scent of the sheep, the scent of the field, 
It was the scent of sweat. And then Samuel added the scent of oil on top of all that stank. And it created a new smell. Are you following me? All right, so that's his own scent. And the same way, man, the scripture says it like this, my sheep know my voice. In the spirit, you don't just hear with your ears. And you don't just smell with your nose. Are you here? Because when somebody is preaching, I can see their scent. When a person has a bad attitude, you can see their scent. You can see their scent. So please don't think when we're talking about, uh, about spiritual things that all the senses work the same. Brian, you're talking too much. All right. So don't think that we're talking about, you know, just smelling and seeing, but we're talking about discerning. All right. Discerning. So anyway, so it's in the darkness that God begins to develop a gift in Jesus's life. It first started in the womb of Mary. So now Jesus comes out of the womb. When Jesus comes out of the womb, the first place that we see him is they're taking Jesus to the temple. Jesus is in the temple. He's teaching the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And of course, all of a sudden, uh, Joseph and Mary, they're on their way home. They're about to leave and they figure, uh, okay, where's Jesus at? They say, okay, let's go back and let's go find him. They go back they find him they find him in the temple he's teaching he's answering questions so much so forth and so on they said hey what are you doing he said didn't you know i must be about my father's business and then the scripture says he goes to be under joseph for 18 years so this is another stage of darkness you would have thought man i'm in the temple i'm on the podium i got the book i'm teaching i'm preaching this gotta be my time amen and god will show you a preview of your future and then he'll thrust you back into darkness amen to show you there's something that i'm preparing you for but you ain't ready yet amen I, and see this is why fathers are so important i see you gifted but you're not ready I see you gifted, but you're not ready. Amen. You're not developed enough. And so uh, Joseph pulls him back. And for 18 years, he learns to cut wood. For 18 years, he learns to build bricks. For 18 years, he learns how to work. He learns work ethic. See, it's the father's job, the heavenly father, to give you anointing. But it is spiritual father's job to give you work ethic. Wake up, 8 o'clock. I need you to go make some chairs. Man, I feel like preaching. Make the chairs. I want to teach you how to hold that passion under control. I want to teach you how to hold that anointing under control. The spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets, but you must go through a season where you feel like it's like fire shut up in your bones and you still can't do nothing. Y'all don't like this type of preaching. Amen. Hold it. Now, I want you to take all that fire and build something. No, no, no. I want to preach. No, build something. I need you to turn your anointing into productivity, not just presentation. So I need you to build something before you say something. And that's the problem. We got a whole bunch of people saying stuff. Ain't never built nothing. 
He said, all right, go back. For 18 years, learn how to use that hammer. For 18 years, learn how to distinguish between the different nails and screws that you must use to build what I'm calling you to build. For 18 years, I want you to hear the sound of drills. I know I'm like, like in the biblical time, but I'm pulling it back here. It's eisegetical, but let me do it. All right, so I, I want, for 18 years, I want you to hear the sound of the drills. For 18 years, I want you to learn how to work with teams. For 18 years, I want you to work with me so that we can bring together this amazing, tapestry this amazing architectural design but it's going to be for 18 years even though you have a call to preach you ain't going to preach 18 years hear me he's in his dark days it ain't just like that with preachers it's like that with entrepreneurs it's like that with creatives if you start a business the first stage of your business is going to be in darkness because the day always begins in darkness even when your day comes even at the twilight at 12 o'clock it is still dark amen and so even though your day has emerged it is still dark so you're still in the dark days of your gift so jesus is working this for 18 years john is in the waters of jordan baptizing now while he's baptizing i want you to understand john is the clock all right every time john goes down it's Every time John goes down, that's the, that's the hour and the minute of the clock. Every time he goes down, every time he baptizes, that's... John must do this to pass the time so that Jesus might arrive. Now, if John don't do what he's supposed to do, Jesus can never arrive. What if I told you that there's a generation of preachers and leaders that cannot arrive because John ain't doing what he's supposed to do? Do you know why John, I ain't, I'm done, I'm, I'm almost there. Do you know why John is baptizing? He's trying to find the Messiah. John ain't baptizing because he ain't got nothing to do. Every time he dips somebody in that water and he brings them up, he's waiting for the heavens to open. Amen. Because he's looking for his successor. I wish these preachers were just like John. Every time they preach, they should be watching for the heavens to open, looking for God to erect, for God to promote, for God to pull somebody out of the dark waters of baptism into the light of their assignment. I'm almost there. He's in a dark day. You know, in the days of old, when they baptized, they didn't baptize like this. You know, we baptize like this because it's the watery grave. No, <clears throat> after Jesus' death and burial, baptism began to represent the grave. And the resurrection that Jesus went through, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in our mortal bodies. So baptism demonstrates what Jesus did. But you know people were getting baptized before Jesus died. So they couldn't baptize like it was a watery grave. So we, they didn't go down like this. All right? When John baptized, he baptized on, in the waters of proselytization, meaning he was making people Jews. And they didn't make people Jews like this. What they would do is John would put his hand on the top of their head. 
and he would push them down into the dark waters of baptism. He would put, see, hear me. You've got to have somebody that'll tell you it's not your time yet. I need you to stay on there just a little while longer. Amen. I know you are being developed. I know God is growing something great in you, but it's not time. I know you want to come. No, 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 no. Not yet. Amen. Stay down there and get a little bit more wet. Get a little bit more revelation. Get a little bit more endurance. Get a little bit more stamina. Get a little bit more strength. I know you want to come. It ain't time yet. Amen. Go down again. And if we have preachers that went down, they wouldn't die when they went up. If we had preachers that knew how to steward the darkness, they could deal with the light. So Jesus, John is baptizing. I'm done, y'all. Come on. John is baptizing. And all of a sudden, on the horizon, while he's baptizing, you got to understand, out there in the deserts of Judea is hot. He can barely see because the sweat from his brow is blurring his vision. But that's what God wants. Just like the disciples in the boat when the morning came and they say, is that a ghost on the sea? It was John saying, who in the world is that? Who is what? type of gift is that what type of preacher is that I know I'm doing what God has called me to do but I'm distracted because I see a gifted person on the way I'm distracted because I see a humble person on the way I'm distracted because I see somebody that loves God they're anointed they're gifted but they love God and I see them on the way and so John while he's baptizing he stops all these people around you see that that's the whole reason why we've been doing what we're doing. You see that? Everybody's like, he looks just like me. No, 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 no. There's something different about that one. Jesus comes down. He says, this is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. Now, Jesus says, I need you to baptize me. I'm almost there. Jesus said, I need you to baptize me. John said, bruh. I need you to baptize me. I'm not, I don't even have the rank or the authority to tie your shoes, meaning that I can't walk where you're about to go. Because the feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The shoes that Jesus are walking in, John could never feel. And John knew that. Are y'all here? Y'all, it takes, it, it takes a real father to identify the next generation as greater. Because y'all know all we hear, all we hear is this new generation, this new gen this TikTok generation, this Instagram generation. They just want everything quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because we ain't going to wait 50 years for somebody to tell us what we already know. We're not going to wait 50 years to do what God has called us to do. We'll wait our time for 50 years. I don't mind waiting my time if you're developing me. I don't mind waiting my time if you're training me. I don't mind waiting my time if you educate me. I don't mind waiting my time if you're imparting to me. But you want me to just sit on the, on the front row and watch you? And hear me. Impartation comes through eye contact. And the worst thing God could do is duplicate that last dispensation. That's why most... That's why, hear me. That's why most... We can't look at it. 
That's why TBN shut down. We can't look at it. I ain't got time, y'all. Man, uh, Apostle, come on, come on, man. I'm a, come on, give me, can you give me a minute? 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 All right, hear me. So whenever God wants to begin a new thing, he raises up a new gift. But follow me. That gift has to have style. All right, now I need you to follow me. Whenever God wants to do a new thing, he raises up a new style. He raises up a new style. God will allow a problem to emerge that the last style cannot address. God will allow a Goliath to rise up that Saul's armor cannot address. And all of a sudden, the industry needs a new gift because the last gift cannot address this new problem. So all of a sudden, Saul is trying to figure out, how do I stay relevant? But God has been developing a style. It's called, it's called a slingshot. God has been developing a style on the backside of the desert so every style addresses a different issue now what gives a are y'all, am I preaching too loud okay what gives a style the ability to survive do the, the the vicissitudes of trends and fads it is what we call substance so what God is developing in darkness number one is your style but the only way God can develop your style he has to stop you from watching other people Come on, I'm almost there. The only way God can develop your unique ability and your, 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 your unique authenticity, he has to eliminate your ability to see other people. This is why Jesus could not stay in the synagogue. I got to get you out of here, bro. I got to take you to Nazareth because if you stay here, you're going to become just like them Sadducees and just like them Pharisees. So I got to take you somewhere where it ain't nothing like where you've been. It ain't nothing like what you've seen. There's no type of preacher that's come from Nazareth can any good thing come from Nazareth? Amen. I don't know. I'm going to put you in darkness. So you can develop your style. But also, you can develop your substance. You can start to add layers on your knowledge. Depth. You gain density. That brings weight. Gravity. This is stature, confidence. You know who you are. You got style, but you got substance. That's all I wanted to say about that different part. So John is baptized and Jesus comes out. You would have think Jesus comes out of the water. The heavens opened up. We hear a voice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This got to be his time now. Come on now. The heavens open up. The anointing lights upon him like a dove. This got to be his moment. And the scripture says that the spirit leads him into the wilderness. So you telling me I've been ordained and it still ain't my time? I feel like preaching, man. You telling me you lay hands on me and it still ain't my time? You telling me you poured oil on me and it still ain't my time? Yeah, because you ain't dealt with the temptation yet. You're not ready because you have oil. You're ready when you've conquered your temptation. And you still like it. That's why you're not ready. It's still attractive to you. That's why God can't trust you. So as God, he has to go into the wilderness with his anointed self. Man, I don't like this church. Man, this church is dry. That's your wilderness. 
What you think? God ain't going to have you in a dry place? What you think? You think you are so entitled that you don't get dry seasons? What you think? You think you are so special you don't get dry seasons? You think you are so favored you, are, you don't have to deal with the desert of your destiny? All of us will have to go through dry seasons. Preaching with a dry throat. Phone dry. You don't put up that flyer like four times. You know, booking now. Still ain't get no invitations. You know why? Because you are in the wilderness. See, most of y'all, you need to see that opportunity ain't even an opportunity. It's a temptation. It's a temptation. Now he's in the wilderness. Bring your time. Now he's in the wilderness. Now all of a sudden, when he finishes this temptation, when he finishes this stage and this test, he is now released from this season of invisibility. And all of a sudden, we find him again, the same place he was when he was 12. When he was 12 at one time. I'm here now. So now he walks into the temple a different person. He walked out a child. He's going to walk back in a man. He walked out an infant. He's going to walk in mature. He walked out on a low level of competency. Now he's going to walk in with mastery. He's not going to walk in the same way he walked out. He's a different person altogether. The last time they saw you, you were trembling. You were still finding your confidence. You were still trying to get good at what God called you to do. But God closed the door on that. And now when they see you, you're going to come out with power, with confidence, with boldness, with mastery, with accuracy. Come on, somebody say, yes, Lord. So all of a sudden now, Jesus walks into his moment. Now, I love this. They hand him the book. See, there are frequencies of ministry. All right? There, there, there's what we call physical. There's mental. There's emotional. There's gift. There's anointing. There's purpose, there's destiny. We ain't got time to deal with all of them, but you ascend the levels of significance based on the amount of dots that connect. Are you following? Some things are just, it's just physical. They're just, they're a means to an end. Then, as you, as you start to move from one frequency, the physical frequency, to mental, all of a sudden, it's no longer just about the physical things, light, stuff like that. Now, all of a sudden, we move into the realm of thoughts and ideas. There's education, there's learning, there's information traveling. But then, once I can trust that the information you're giving me is good, my heart opens and I move to the emotional frequency. And I'm no longer communicating, communicating with you with words alone. But now all of a sudden you're starting to feel stuff. All right. It becomes more than an intellectual exchange. It becomes an emotional moment. And all of a sudden your heart is pricked and you begin to feel something. Amen. That's the emotional realm. We go from the emotional realm to the gift. Because after you start feeling stuff, now we enter the realm of activation. This is when your gift starts coming alive. Because when a person works their gift, all of a sudden what it does, it gives you confidence that you can work your gift. The more you watch gifted 
gifted people, the more your gift gains confidence. This is the realm of gifting. This is when Timothy is discovered. This is when the, dis- the disciples are discovered. This is the realm of follow me because after we find gifting, you then need mentorship to begin to shape the gift. But after you move from the gifting frequency, you then move to the anointing and where it's no longer just about the gift, it's all about transformation. So Jesus is now in the temple. They give him the book. He opens it up. There's not just one point of contact. This is not just physical. This is not just emotional or mental. Jesus is ascending the frequencies of significance and it's not just uh, about a gift. It's not even just anointing. It ain't even just purpose. He's not there on assignment. He's not preaching a revival. This is destiny. The scripture says he finds himself in the book. So I want you to understand, there is an alignment of significance. What God has spoken in Isaiah is now coming to pass in real time. I'm standing, are y'all here? He is standing in his day. This is the reason for which he was born. He can feel the weight of the moment. He opens it up and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I had to work my way all the way here. All right. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me. And then he begins to go through the stuff that he's anointed to do. And I know we like to talk about preaching the gospel. We like to talk about healing the brokenhearted, setting at liberty those that are blind or those that are captive or healing those that are blind, open up the, the, the eyes of the blind. But then he says something real strange. He says to declare or to announce the acceptable who was he announcing it now y'all ain't right who was he announcing it to you think he was announcing it to them their day was ending the day of Judaism was closing the sun was going down on Judaism. The sun was going down on the Pharisees. The sun was going down on the Sadducees, on the Essenes. The sun was, so who the day is for? Who is the acceptable year for? See, hear me. Jesus is standing in his moment and he's declaring to all of them the thing that you tried to stop. Come on, Herod. The thing that you tried to stop. Come on, Pharaoh. The thing that you tried to stop. Come on, Rome. The thing that you tried to stop is here now. I'm here now. I'm here. I'm not questioning myself. I'm not second guessing my authority. I know what I was born to do, and I know the time in which I was born to do it. Come on, somebody say, I'm here now. Your day is about to emerge. The darkness is about to break. The invisibility is about to be shed, and those that were unseen are about to be made known. If you believe it, clap your hands like you believe. Somebody say, I'm here now. Come on, say, my grace is here now. Come on, somebody say, my strength is here now. My promise is here now. My prophecy is here now. My confidence is here. Shut up, devil. I'm here now. If you were going to do something to me, you should have did it last year. But I'm here now. And I'm more confident than ever. I'm stronger than ever. I'm wiser than ever. I got more revelation than ever. I got endurance forever. Y'all ain't preaching with me. Come on, somebody say, I'm here now. So what you going to do? 
I must work the works of him while it is because hear me the same darkness that you were developed in you only have a finite time of light you ain't got time to second guess yourself you only got a finite time of light you ain't got time to compare yourself you only got a finite time of life while you're competing that time is tick, 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 tick. while you sitting there still am I ready am I am I gifted am I called do I have what it takes the clock is ticking your hour is coming the demand is about to increase. The calls are about to come. Now I need you to hear me. There are two people in here. There are people that are in their dark days. And there are people that are in the twilight. They can see just a little bit of light. Just a little bit of hope. You've been working for a long time and nobody's seen you. Nobody knows you. But all of a sudden, you start seeing the breaking of day. How do you know the day is breaking? You start feeling strength. Where you used to cry, weeping will endure for a night. You used to feel depressed and discouraged. You used to feel insignificant. You used to feel not valued. But all of a sudden, strength comes out of nowhere. Confidence comes out of nowhere. That's a sign that the season is changing. When the season changes... You have to move. Come on, stand to your feet. Let's get ready to go. Oh, I did for this now. I want you to look at that. Come on, Brian. I'm on time. You came up here like I was over time. I'm on time. Somebody say, I'm gifted. Hear me. My assignment is to impart strength. You know, it's amazing to me. I was saying this the other day. There's been so much kind of circling my mind. I wanted to preach the apostolic age. That was the first message. Second message I was going to preach. And it was probably because I was coming here. You're the only other person that deal with Melchizedek as much as I want to. I was going to deal with, I was going to preach a message called, I am the algorithm. But I thought people would think that was a little bit too arrogant. So I was like, let me not do that. But there's so much that's been happening. I need you to hear me. And please hear me with maturity. Um, we are entering an age of apostolic demonstration. And I need you to hear me. Most of, and this is, this is good, so when I say this, please don't take this the wrong way. Most of what we have seen in church is prophetic phenomenon, which is great. We need that. But what I'm afraid of is if we don't get a picture of how apostles administrate, we will whittle their mantle down to personal prophecy. See, we are used to prophets. We're not used to apostles. 
And most apostles still feel more confident with on the prophetic plane. Because you get more immediate response that way. So I've been watching the Lord been dealing with me. He says, Brian, I want you to show them how apostles function. Because a prophet's gift, and again, we understand there's many gifts, but just hear me. A prophet's administration, presentation is usually prophecy. Their gift is to prophesy. My gift is to develop. An apostle's gift, Jesus, uh, 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 Paul said, I travail until Christ be formed in you. See, that's different than just, hey, what's your name in the back? See, when an apostle preaches, he enters your life. That's why while I'm preaching, you feel. Because I'm moving through your past and your present and your future. I'm moving in your insecurities and in your confidence. I'm moving in the spirit. It's different than just saying, you shall A, B, and C. And we have to get used to how apostles administrate. Paul was preaching so late that a boy was sitting in the window. And he fell asleep. Fell down, broke his neck. Did the apostle. No, the apostle said, all right, come on. Get up. He got him up. And guess what he did? He kept preaching. So I want you to understand. We're about to enter the Dave Chappelle era. When Dave Chappelle turned down that money and went to Africa, he ended up coming back to the States, but nobody knew. And he would go into comedy clubs and sit in the back. And right at the end, he'll say, hey, you mind if I get the microphone? I'm just trying to work my gift. I'm in the dark days of my gift. Nobody, know, nobody knew. I mean, people knew who he was, but nobody was expecting him to be there. He would, he would do a set for three hours. What was he doing? He was working out material. He was working out his gift. The nuances of his authenticity. Hear me. We're about to enter the same stage as the body of Christ. As God begins to mature and develop and raise up new gifts, they won't be able to fit in your little time zone. Are you following me? They won't be able to fit in your little structure. They won't be able to fit in your little collar. In your religious institution. And what you going to do with them? You're going to call them devils. You're going to say they're not anointed. You're going to call them rebellious. And just like God did to Moses, God going to send them to Pharaoh to get an education. So I want to pray for you. Because there are apostles here, there are prophets here, there's church planters here. There are people that are called to inordinate mounts of ministry, mountain, mounts of ministry. You are called to high places. And the last thing you need to do is give up in the dark. When nobody sees you, when nobody knows you, and you think you're getting away with your compromise. No, 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 no. Tonight the Lord marks you. 
Come on, let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Father, we thank you for this house and for this engine. We thank you for the gifts they are developing and for the anointings they are constructing. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this meeting. Father, I ask even now that for every leader that is on the rise, for every preacher that's on the rise, for every creative and for every business owner that's on the rise, Father, I ask now that you will begin a process of impartation. Start to pray right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. Start to pray right there, right there, right there, that you will begin to give them exactly what they need in order for them to accomplish their assignment. Start praying right there, right there, right there, right there, right there. Start praying right there, right there, right there, that you would give them the strength they need, that you would give them the endurance they need that you would give them the muscular ability they need that you would give them the faith that they need so they that would not fail but they would have long life come on y'all longevity so that they would have a long career in the spirit father i thank you that you add longevity to them add days to their gift add miles to their gift add years to their gift now in jesus name come on y'all we're almost there begin to pray a little bit stronger Come on, y'all, pray. Father, I thank you that you're raising up some gift here. Yeah. I see you. Father, I thank you that another weight is added to them. Father, we thank you for gravity. We thank you for stature now. Come on, y'all, pray. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, y'all. That's new grace on you. Come on, y'all. That's new revelation for you. Father, I thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You will not give up in those dark days. But the Lord adds to your strength. Yes, Lord. My soul.
revelation. We open your mind. Sir, a new mantle, sir, new authority, sir, in truth. Yeah, 